You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Rice. I serve as a lead pastor here at North Valley Church. Wasn't that a great time of worship? Can we just celebrate that? Uh, We are in for a good morning this morning. Hey, I want to just tell you, um, you might have gotten an invitation to be a part of a vision briefing that we're going to be having on our campus house. Uh, We've got a house there on campus. We've converted that to a little bit of an office space. I want to encourage you to attend that, not this Sunday, next Sunday, uh, to be there. I'll be there uh, with our pastoral team, some of the guys there, to share with you about how you can participate and contribute to be a part of uh, helping speed up that process and to increase the quality of the construction for our new campus uh, that we're developing there on I-17 in Joe Max uh, on the northeast side there. So I want to encourage you to keep praying for us on that as we're pushing forward and working with the city. I'll give you more of an update next week. This morning, we're going to be in uh, John, 1 John. If you've got a Bible, open it up. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27. I'm going to cover a lot of text this morning. And then I titled the message uh, this morning called Know the Difference. And uh, I want to tell you, the the reality is is that it's kind of a time where you really need to try to discern between what is truth and what is a lie. Like I'm a parent and there'll be times with my little five-year-old daughter, there'll be times like she just makes something up like, hey, did you uh, wash your hands before dinner? Yes, I did, dad. And I'm like, let me smell them. And I'm like, doesn't smell like you used the soap. I think you got to go back in there and wash your hands. You know, there's a time, like even in the political season that we're in right now, it's like you, you sit there and you watch and you're like, what is true? What is not? Like trying to figure that out. When it comes to just in, in life in general, there's a, a, a plethora of kind of like false advertising, fakes, phonies, all that stuff. And you're, you're left with the reality of do you know the difference between what is genuine or counterfeit? Is it real or is it not real? Is it a fake? Recently, I was on Facebook and this, is a, this happens all the time. You, people are getting on to profiles, right? And they're acting like they are somebody, but they're really not that person. And I had a friend that was supposedly selling Ray-Bans, right? And I'm like, hey, I lose everything. The only thing I can keep up with is my cell phone, my keys, and my wallet. Everything else I'm losing. So I lost some shades and I thought, oh man, I'm going to buy some new Ray-Bans. So I go on and I spend, you know, I get like 25, 30 bucks and I'm like, I got a brand new pair of Ray-Bans. My friend back in Arkansas selling them. And my wife's like, who sells Ray-Bans for 25 bucks? (laughs) Two days later, I get them in the mail, you know, and they're like, my kids are looking at me and they're like, why are they like peeling off on the side of your head, dad? Uh, these were not real Ray-Bans. They're fakes. They're phonies. And so what happened? Somebody hacked into uh, this profile and is distributing fake Ray-Bans. So I, I wrote about him on Facebook and everybody was like, what is going on? But hey, it was a fake. It was a phony. Uh, you know, uh, recently in my neighborhood, there's, this happened last year. A guy goes, comes to the door, knocks on the door. He's selling magazine. Got some tragedy story. Says, if you just give me your credit card... Take, I'll take your information. I'm going to set you up like a dream machine. You're going to get all these awesome magazines. And sure enough, had a neighbor, elderly guy, signs up for the project uh, and says, hey, I can't wait to get all those magazines. Guess what? Never got a magazine, and his credit card bill was super duper high. 
You, you get ripped off anywhere and everywhere. I mean, right now we've got these fake birds in, 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 that are kind of around. I don't know if you've seen these fake birds or not, but we have, like today, you'll see uh, this afternoon, you'll see there's a real bird called the Arizona Cardinal, and then you'll see a fake bird called the Seahawks. So, so, so you've got to protect the nest. This is Arizona. Uh, there's fakes false, phonies everywhere. You know, friends got into business ventures. They think they're going to make a lot of money. They take their money. They get involved with a business venture partner or somebody, potentially bad character, a little shady deal. Turns out to be a scam. You lose all your money. When it comes to Christianity, there's been fakes and phonies for generations upon generations upon generations claiming to give you more or something different, newer, better, special anointing, special privilege, special knowledge, special this and that. And I want to caution you with the heart of like what John does, the heart of a father and says, warning, you, you've got to know the difference. There's a lot of fake fakesters and fraudsters out there, even in the Christian faith that will try to deter you. And what's at stake here is your identity. Because God is the heavenly father. The Bible says that there's a father of truth, and that is God the father. And then there's a father of lies. And he's actively working to persuade and deter and to come against Christ, his church, all believers to totally distract and deter them. And so this morning in John's context, he's going to be helping us understand the total difference. John is the oldest disciple at this point in time. He has been exiled to Patmos. There is a seasoning of the soul, if you will, for John. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to read through the text, get into it with you. I'm going to give you three characteristics of counterfeit Christianity, and then three characteristics of authentic faith and genuine faith. So if you would, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. And we're going to look at the solution is, is the clarity of scripture. God's word is like the spotlight upon truth, and it helps us to understand uh, what our faith is all about. So John writes, and there's a lot of words in here that will come off as uh, unfamiliar and, and will spark a lot of interest, and I'll get into that. So let me read through this, and then we'll work through those differences so that you can know the difference. First John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27, the apostle John writes, It is the last hour, and as you have heard, uh, the Antichrist is coming and then he goes on to say, so now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. Verse 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son, no one denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. And what you heard from the beginning, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will, you too will abide in the Son and, and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. 
I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge through your scripture. Clarify in our minds, in our hearts, what what you want us to see here in your scripture so that we can know the difference, so that we can experience more of the life, the fellowship that you intend for us, the Father of all creation, our Lord, through Jesus Christ. Let us experience that as your children, as your people, as your family, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. So this morning, let me just help shape the context just for a moment. Again, the Apostle John is writing, and uh, many have uh, f- been familiar with that idea of, of Antichrist. There's kind of two phrases in here. Let's look at the text just for a mo- moment. He says, children, it's the last hour. That literally means it's the, the, the last days and the last times. It's the last time frame in which uh, it's... At, it re- it's referring to the event that is after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In a sense, we are in the last days, if you will. Now, the Spirit of God has already been poured out upon our generation, and we are awaiting the Heavenly Father, the High King of Heaven's return. And John writes in this mindset, the last hour, though it's not a literal hour, it is a time frame that indicates we are seeing that we are in the last time period in which uh, we are awaiting Christ's return. And a mark of that season and time is that this work of many false leaders, false teachers, whatever, is going to spring forward. Two things that spring out in the text to me, it says, as you've heard. In other words, they'd heard this before. So what had been going on was First and Second Thessalonians writes about this kind of, uh, doesn't use the word antichrist, but kind of these deceivers, these leaders that are leading people astray. It had been written 40 years earlier by the Apostle Paul. Revelation, the book of Revelation, the end times, the figure of uh, the beast and references potentially to the Antichrist have already been written five to 10 years earlier. So the question is, is he says, children, it's the last hour and what as you have heard So that is being proclaimed, this message that there are false teachers, whatever, it's already been there. They've heard this. He says that the Antichrist is coming. That's one, I think, a person in the future. And then he says, so now many Antichrists have come. So there's a person in the future and then there's people present. Um, John had witnessed the corruption of Rome. Nero had burned down Rome in 64 AD by, according to legend, uh, blames Christians. There's systematic persecution. Many church leaders throughout generations have blamed and said Nero was the person in which uh, John thought that was the Antichrist. Uh, So there is this language here in the text that helps us to understand kind of the context that John is dealing with. There's a lot of persecution. Let me explain the word antichrist. The word anti means literally against. So it's like if you have, uh, 
it, it means against or that it would attack. And anti-Christ means it's anything, it's anti-Jesus, anti-Jesus, the Son of God. It's anybody or anything that attacks the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so he's, the word is kind of like, you could think about it like this, is like the word antibacterial, uh, disinfectants. You, you go to your kitchen, you spray, you clean up your restrooms, you clean up your house with antibacterial. Some of you need more spray than others because your house is dirtier than others. And, and you're using antibacterial uh, disinfectant that fights against bacteria. And it's that same kind of understanding. There are anti-Christ, uh, anti-Christ people that attack the Christian faith and his message, his person, his character. Present day, there are many anti-Christ. There are many people that stand against Jesus, his message, everything about him. Jesus is the most loved person on the planet and the most hated person on the planet. He is the most that ever touched the foot of earth. He is the one that everybody hates or everybody loves. Present day, there are people that attack the name and fame of Jesus Christ, trying to derail the historical uh, truth of faith of Jesus. And then there's this end times reality and question of, well, who is the Antichrist to come? Uh, biblically speaking, let me just share with you characteristics from Revelation, Daniel, uh, the Thess- Thessalonians. These are characteristics of the person to come. He will blaspheme God. He will claim to be God. He will imitate Christ's death and resurrection. He will rise to world power and influence. He will control the world economy. He makes peace treaties with Israel. Israel buys into the lie, thinks this guy, it's not Satan himself, it's a person, I believe, described in scripture as one that rises to power with incredible uh, kind of oratory skills to communicate. He's handsome, he's winsome, and he creates a peace treaty, eradicates uh, forms of evil for a season, and then seats himself on the throne in Israel as the Messiah and then turns and wrecks havoc on, kills thousands upon thousands upon thousands. is unleashed like never seen before. We have not seen that day. And what John's writing at is not the Antichrist to come, but the many Antichrists present. And, you know, over throughout history, there's been this uh, question of who is the Antichrist? Did he already come or are we awaiting the big Antichrist? Uh, Throughout, there's been candidates. There's one, two, three, four, five. I got five candidates for you uh, that are popular perspectives for the Antichrist. Some believe it was Nero Caesar. Uh, they, they, you know, it's really interesting. Biblical scholars believe that the number of the beast is Revelation 13, 18 is 666. It's a numerical reference to Emperor Nero, whose name in Greek, when you translate it in Hebrew, retains the value of 666. It's kind of creepy stuff. Uh, Napoleon was labeled as potentially the Antichrist. He liberated Jews, and then he uh, rose to power with implorable actions. Uh, He had an anti-Catholic policy. Um, Others have said, no, it's the Pope. The Pope is the Antichrist. The Pope, uh, from the very beginning, has been labeled an Antichrist by many. Um, He's probably the greatest contender for the Antichrist by many. Um, 
actually Martin Luther, the, the reformer, John Calvin, William Tyndall, all thought that the Pope uh, was this big Antichrist. Uh, Adolf Hitler was named the Antichrist for obvious reasons. Um, American presidents... Uh, from the very beginning with George Washington, generally everybody has said these, these presidents are the next Antichrist. FDR, JFK, Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. And nowadays you'll have Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Uh, people will say these are, these, this is the big Antichrist. So the question is, like, what? what? Th- 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 these people are the Antichrist? Uh, I, no, listen, you're going to see something incredibly... Biblically speaking, disproportionate to anything we've ever seen before, a false Messiah literally claiming he's God. Sitting in the seat of Israel persuades thousands upon thousands, if not millions of Jews to believe this is the long-awaited Messiah. John is not talking specifically about that. What he's talking about in this text is that what's present day now. So this morning, what I want to do is I wanted to lay out for you a foundation that he's referring to anyone that is anti-Christ, teaching, propagating material ideas that are anti-Christian against Jesus Christ, because that's the nature of the text. You'll see that he's writing to help you clarify, know the true father, the heavenly father, father of truth, not the father of lies. The devil's been called the father of lies. And so what's at stake here is you need to know the difference so that you can live the life that God wants you to have, preserving and promoting truth in your own life. You need to be able to identify the lie. Three characteristics of counterfeit Christianity. I'm not going to walk through all of this, these verses, verse uh, exactly, because I, for the time's sake, but you'll get the gist, and I wrote the notes there for you. And the number one characteristic is they depart from fellowship. It says they went out from us, literally, these are... These are people that were in the church in historical Christianity at one general time, and they leave. Uh, They went out from us. They were not of us. But they, he says, for if they had been of us, they would have continued, but they went out that it might become plain. They are all are not of us. John's a, a master of distinguishing between light and darkness, genuine and not genuine. And loving the world, loving Christ, he's distinguishing objections upon this departing from the faith. Uh, what's going on in the context is there is a kind of this, uh, this idea that there's a group of Christians that believe that there's this, uh, you can deny Jesus actually really, really, really isn't God. That there's a group of Christians in the churches that John had helped plant throughout the Roman Empire that started to believe this lie that Jesus actually isn't God. That Jesus actually his earthly father, meaning and his literal father was Joseph. And he really wasn't God. And in order to become like Jesus, you can attain to the spirit of Christ And it was this false teaching that started to weave its way into the church. And John says, they'd leave. They depart. Because when false teachers are sitting in churches long enough where the truth is taught, the darkness is revealed. The dangers, the error, the inconsistencies are revealed. And they they just have to leave. There's no way. And Christians historically are distinguished and different. It's like oil and water. They separate. 
And he, what you can know is counterfeit Christianity departs from the authentic historical faith. And that's what happened. He says, they're not of us. What about Christians who leave the church here and now? Uh, if you're a Christian and you come to North Valley and then you're like, man, I just don't get along philosophically or, you know, the dress and the casualness of the church or, you know, uh, the teaching style or the music or the kids and you leave, this, this is not you. This is not what we're talking about here. There's plenty of Christians that come to a church and they go, they depart and the bad preacher teacher would tell you this. They'd say, well, they went out from us, but they were not of us. They're not really genuine. No, that's not at all what's going on here. These are false teachers, leaders that are leading people astray and departing from orthodox historical Christianity. And this is the first characteristic of counterfeit Christianity, fake Christianity. Don't be duped by the false notions of some that call themselves Christians, but they've departed historically from historical faith. Christians that leave the church are still in God's family. They might not be in this local church family called North Valley. They leave and they go to another church family. We, we bless that. We thank that. We encourage people. Hey, if this doesn't fit for you, go to another Christ-centered, Bible-preaching and teaching church. What about those who backslide or go, you know, have seasons of darkness and you wonder if they're genuine Christians? I think there's a time and a season where every believer will go through where it's questionable. I mean, look at the Apostle Peter, right? He denies Jesus Christ. Was he a believer? Yeah. But he said, in the moment of, of, of sheer trial and in terror for his life, he freaks out and acts like a fool and denies even Christ. And I think you, you see in, in everybody's life, there's seasons of doubt, but it's people that really depart from true historical Christian Christianity. We'll move through this quicker. Um, number two, the characteristic you'll see in counterfeit Christianity is that they deny the faith. The word deny is used there uh, three different times in this text, it says, but first of all, it says, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Jesus is, literally, Christ is, is the Lord. He's the long-awaited Messiah. Whoever denies that, that's the liar. That's the counterfeit. Examples in modern day, oh yes, I need to go there because it is real for you, and I don't want you to be duped into uh, false or fakes or phonies. I'll give you uh, four different categories that were Christian starts and they left historical Christianity and moved into what could be classified as cultish uh, and they specifically deny the historical faith. First is Mormonism, LDS. They believe that Jesus is the spirit child progressed into deity, continuing on. They deny that God the Father was eternally God. That God, was, God the Father was actually a man that progressed into deity. And so the reality becomes is the Bible speaks completely different than that. Uh, Numbers 23, 19 says God is not a man. Eternally existed. Uh, uh, Jehovah's Witness has a different view as well, uh, varying, denying the historical faith. JWs come knocking on your door and they're trained to deceive you and, and lead you astray. They believe Jesus was created as the archangel Michael before the world existed. And he didn't really eternally exist. Well, John, John, John 1, 1 says that he did. John 8, 58 says he did. So what I'm saying is you've got a lie that's perpetuated even under the guise of Christianity 
that is leading you like a child that doesn't know where to go to a false father, a father of lies, not the father of truth. And John's writing, you got to know the difference of what is at stake here so you can live the life that Christ intends for you to live. Christian science says that Jesus is a mere human, embodied the spirit of Christ. He's just a man. He's not God. Uh, Hollywood's enamored with Christian Scientology. There's reading rooms all around. Um, and it basically, in a sense, it's totally man-centered. New Agers have this mindset that Jesus was just this human vessel and, uh, who, as an adult, kind of embodied the spirit of Christ. They often reference the idea that when Jesus was baptized um, with John, that that's when, boom, it really kind of took off. Um, the problem is, is that a lot of these counterfeits, Christianity, are work-based. And people gravitate towards work because they like a checklist and they like to do it. Um, the problem is, is historical Christianity emphasizes Christ and his grace more than anything. So God gets the glory, not man. And John's trying to warn and encourage others to focus on a faith that is rooted in Christ, rooted in historical scriptures, because it gives life. It's grace-based, not works-based. It's Jesus-centered, not man-centered. Number three, we're going to see the third characteristic is that in counterfeit Christianity, they deceive the faithful. Um, false faith will literally seek to deceive existing believers in the true faith. He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. They're trying to deceive you. Every time you answer the door with a counterfeit Christian, again, I'm not talking about believers that are, um, or even unbelievers. I'm talking about counterfeit Christians that are working uh, to propagate lies or teachers, false teachers, anybody that is against Christ and attacking the person in the work of Jesus Christ. They are working to deceive the faithful. This is a characteristic of counterfeit Christianity. Second John 1.7 says that as well. He says, for many deceivers have gone into the world. So there's many of these people. They're all over the place. It's on TV. It's in your neighborhoods. It's all over. And my hope and my aim is like John is, is to clarify so that you can know the difference so that you're not duped into some terrible works-based Christianity and, and, and lie of feeling guilt, but walk in grace, walk in renewal. Uh, look to Christ, not to yourself for the answers because God knows we need help. Amen? I mean, we need help. And we try to look to ourselves as our own savior. There's not the antidote. You know, it's interesting to me. I was in Spain years ago, and uh, I answered the door. I was on a, a, a church planning vision trip. And the guy comes to the door. He's bilingual, young guy, old guy, and they're Jehovah's Witness uh, in Madrid. They're all around the world. And the guy starts trying to, you know, talk to me about Jesus and how, you know, you need to do this and it's totally different and that Jesus is really kind of this, this, this angel Michael and blah, blah, blah. And I just, I stopped him and I said, you know something, my dad is a psychiatrist and I talked to him recently about different religions and faith and all that. And I asked my dad, what's the highest rate of suicide in all religions in all faith groups? My dad said, JWs. Because it's all works-based. There's a small number of people that are getting in to heaven, and you better prove it. 
It's all workspace. And I looked at this young man. I said, let me just tell you something. This guy's probably taught you to train you to try to deceive me and all this. I'm telling you, there's a gospel of grace that Jesus is enough. His righteousness is enough. You can't knock on enough doors to get into heaven. Jesus has already knocked on the door and he's opened it up for you. Do you want to come in? So why do I say this? I would say this because I do not want you to be deceived or duped. He says, many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, so such as a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. It's anybody that is anti-Jesus, the most loved, the most hated person on the planet. Three characteristics of genuine Christianity. Number one, there's a rejoicing in fellowship. John says this. He's a... a, a uh, uh, the oldest living disciple at the time he writes this. And he says this in 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth that's with other believers, living out God's word and God's ways. Jesus said, you're going to know that you are my disciple by the way you what? You love one another. That living in fellowship with others, there's this joy that comes. The apostle Paul talks about this. When you live in fellowship with one another, there's this this joy. The book of Philippians is written about this incredible fellowship with other believers and friendship with God and that there's this joy. Second characteristic for genuine Christianity are believers that remain in the faith. They remain in the faith. How can you tell the difference between a fake, uh, a phony, uh, or the real deal? Real Christians remain in the faith. They remain not in a local church context per se, but the historical, the big churches, little church, big church, little churches, local church, big churches, all churches around the world that profess Jesus Christ as Lord, a historical church. It's in the faith. They remain in the faith. Look what he says. He says, uh, verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, if they were genuine, if they were the real deal, if they were genuinely believers, they would have continued with us. Um, there's this continuation that happens in the Christian life. Theologically, it's called the perseverance of the saints, that you just persevere. When, when, when you feel like you're down to nothing, you turn back to God and you realize that he's up to something. And that you keep, keep moving on. You sin, you confess. You, you blow it, you go back to Christ. And there's this continuation. And John says, if they were of us, they would have continued. Doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that a believer can't go through a season of doubt. And you're like looking at the guy's life or the gal's life. And you're like, they don't act like a Christian. Well, if you... Live in a way that's perpetual sin and habitual sin over and over and over again, then yeah, you, you draw it into question. Are you really a Christian or not? But the big things that you see, the difference between knowing the difference between genuine Christianity or counterfeit Christianity is this departing from historical faith. And so John writes this that, hey, they would have continued with us. 1 John 20 through 21, he says, but you have the anointed one, the holy one. That's the idea of the Holy Spirit. And again and again, uh, there is this reference that those that are anointed, they have this special anointing. I think John uses that phrase anointing because there was these false teachers rising up and saying, you need this special anointing to be a real, real, real Christian. 
And you can turn on the TV today and you hear these kind of things. Hey, this pastor has a special anointing, like a direct line to God. And, you know, if you listen to what he says, he's got such a special anointing, um, then because he hears audibly from God and that he'll tell you what you need to do in order for your life to be great or whatever. And of course, usually there's money involved and it's give, give, give your money to this special anointed one, special knowledge one. And I think John here is using that where he says, no, you've been anointed by the Holy One. That is the Holy Spirit. And he says, and you all have knowledge, meaning you've already got the knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth. They know the truth. The gospel of John has already been written. He's been preaching and teaching. These are churches that helped John helped establish. He says, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. In 1 John 2, 27, he says, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. That's this anointing that helps you. It's Jesus Christ giving us the Holy Spirit that it's upon our lives. We don't need an extra special anointing from somebody. We don't, look what he says. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. In other words, you don't need false teachers or false leaders or super spiritual guys that say they know the secret in about God and all the things that he's up to. I mean, you know, some people do claim, they say, I hear from God audibly all the time. I would, I would caution that tremendously. You know, um, just this morning, I'm getting dressed and getting ready. And, you know, I love Jesus. I spend time in his word. And I have to tell you something, I don't hear an audible voice from God. I, I, I get his word and it tells me what to do. And I pray, and there's times where he impresses upon my heart something really clear, and I match it with scripture, and I believe that's God speaking to me. But it's always, I always caution that because I want it to be seasoned in this scripture of authoritative scripture. And so I don't pretend I got some special anointing or special uh, knowledge because the scripture says here, but the anointing you've received, that's every single believer from him abides in you. It's for everybody. You don't need some special extra anointing. You've got it. You've got the Holy Spirit upon your life. In 2 Corinthians 2, 21 through 22, Paul talks about, he said, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's upon your life. It's this mark that's on your life. And it's the Holy Spirit is with you everywhere you go. And it's this anointing. It sets you apart. It totally helps you in every way to be a sign and a symbol that you are a child of God. The father of truth, not the father of lies. And you have this anointing upon you. So every one of you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, those of you who've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. And so he says, and you've got no need to, for somebody else to come in and try to teach you. You know, it's interesting to me. There was a guy uh, later in church history. His name is Serentius. And uh, he will be deemed a heretic later in Christian history. But it was his ideas that kind of started to propagate through uh, John's churches that was indicating that you needed the secret knowledge. It was also deemed as Gnosticism. The secret knowledge that's not in the historical text. You needed to spend time with these special teachers. And this happens even in Christianity today. I'll tell you a story quickly. Is um, in college, I received some mail that said that if you open this up, it was in a low income neighborhood. You open this up, there's a prayer rug in here. And if you pray this prayer written in the mail uh, according to these terms, and then you send some money in, 
you'll get your big financial blessing and be able to pay all your bills, all that and all that. Interesting to me, they targeted uh, low-income neighborhoods. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the reality is that false teachers rise up and they're man-centered. They're works-based. Do this and God will love you more. And Jesus says, I've done everything. That's why the Father loves you. There's nothing else you can do to get my love. You don't have to earn my love. Christ, my son, earned that in complete perfection. And so, guys, I'm telling you, know the difference. I'm telling you, the Christianity that we, we uh, live out and we preach and we teach historically is a gospel of grace. It's not a gospel of works. I see, Jesus is enough for me. And John's defending that. You don't need some special anointing. You've got the Holy Spirit. You know, again, I was this morning, I was getting ready, getting dressed, and um, I didn't hear this special message from God this morning that said, hey, Ryan, I need you to clarify this point or this point, and I didn't hear this audible voice. The only voice I heard this morning when I was getting dressed in my closet was my wife saying, are you going to wear that shirt or not? You, you know, so you be careful, be joyful that you do have uh, given so much in Christ, that you have an anointing, that you have, like seriously, anytime you watch TV and they talk about this super special anointing that is upon their life, you can just turn it off and go, well, I got anointing. I got anointing. As according to 1 John, I got anointing. Anybody who's received Jesus Christ as Lord is permanently uh, filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, look what it says back in the text in helps you understand. But he says this, look, look back at 1 John 2, 27. He says, but as halfway in the verse, he says, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him, abide in Jesus Christ. That the Holy Spirit is your anointing. He anoints you. He marks your life out. He encourages you. He helps you in the midst of challenging situations day to day, week to week, making decisions. And this anointing is upon your life. And everywhere you go, you've got the Holy Spirit helping you, teaching you. And you can look to the scriptures and learn from the scriptures and the Holy Spirit helps you to teach you and understand. And that's why I pray when we open up, God, I pray for your Holy Spirit now. So notice I say that a lot when we're praying and I open up right before I preach, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to help us teach us now. Holy Spirit's also the one when you're sitting in a church service or you're listening to some message on TV and it doesn't sound right and you're sitting there and you go, like a radar just went off or a warning light or a red flag was raised. That's the Holy Spirit oftentimes telling you, I don't know about that. You better, you better check that with scripture. Holy Spirit is the teacher and John's warning us. Three characteristics of genuine Christianity. Last point is this, is that we remember God's faithfulness that he's faithful. God is a promise maker, a promise keeper. No matter what we're going through, God can get us through it, that he's faithful. And look what he says. Let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. You can bank on that. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your eternity is set. And God makes a promise with us that when we receive Jesus Christ, that he permanently indwells us, he anoints our life, we have the Holy Spirit, 
that we're permanently sealed, and that we get eternal life not based on our good works, but on the good work of Jesus Christ. And that eternal life is set, and it's secure, and it's a promise. We need to remember God's faithful. He's a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And John says, let what you've heard from the beginning. John was preaching the gospel. The gospel of John is all about the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says, let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. Let that truth sink in. So I, I just say, always remember God's faithfulness over your life. And as a genuine believer, no matter what you're going through, as a genuine believer, you may lay down and feel like you've been mowed over. But the Bible says that you've been anointed with his Holy Spirit and it will revive and it will restore. And other believers will come in and help lift you up and you will walk on. And that God's always faithful. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it till the end. Amen? Seven ways to preserve and promote truth. I'll walk through these quickly. Is number one, I encourage you to get a, a study Bible. A study Bible would be great for you if you have not done that. I think that would be really helpful. You can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them uh, at Barnes & Noble. But a study Bible has lots of theological and editorial notes that are really, really helpful. Helpful. I'd say the best one I think is on the planet Earth is the ESV Study Bible. Um, I've looked at a lot of different others. I've been through Dallas Seminary, got two master's degrees, weighted out with other theologians and pastors and scholars around the country. And many, many of them say this is probably one of the greatest contributions to current day Christianity uh, for that. Study Bible is really helpful. It helps explain a lot of the challenges of the text. You can get them on, online or you can even pick them up at a lot of the, uh, the bookstores. Um, it doesn't have to be an ESV study Bible. That's kind of our mainstay in Scripture. It does a really good job on literal translations with Greek and Hebrew. Uh, and, and so that's what we preach out of. We'll reference NIV, other, other uh, versions as well. Uh, but a study Bible is really, really helpful to help you preserve and promote truth. All throughout church history, by the way, uh, what you've seen in councils and creeds throughout generation to generation, when you hear about councils of Nicaea or Chalcedon and all these other ideas of uh, councils, they existed to preserve truth. Because the enemy comes in and they begin to seep into Christian culture and deceive and lead a lot of people away. Councils in, in, uh, throughout history have been to preserve and to promote truth. So my encouragement to you is get a study Bible. Number two is protect the Trinity. Anytime there's heresy, anytime there's false teachers, counterfeit Christianity, it attacks the Trinity more than anything else. The Trinity is God is uh, three persons, all fully being God with equal power. And that's a lot to wrap your head around, I understand. But the person that's attacked most in the Trinity is Jesus Christ. Every counterfeit Christian uh, teacher, leader, whatever, attacks the deity of Jesus Christ. Again, he's the most loved by believers and the most hated by the world. Protect the Trinity. Always think about that. The Father, you know, even in LDS uh, religion, the idea is that the Father wasn't even God. That's not historical Christianity. The Father wasn't God. He was man and progressed into deity. Jesus in JW mindset, he's not really Jesus, the Son of God. He's an angel. He's Angel Michael. Protect the Trinity, protect the Trinity, protect the Trinity. Number three, learn church history. We are in a month of what's called the Reformation Month, historically all around the world. We remember what God has done, uh, that he used a gentleman by the name of Martin Luther, a church reformer, to take the scriptures that were only in Latin and nobody could read them, nobody could 
know the difference and understand their own faith, he took it, translated it into a common language for the very first time, and it started a revolution in the Christian faith. And so you have Catholics and you have Protestants. And a lot of Jesus-loving Catholics and there's a lot of Jesus-loving uh, Christians or modern-day Christians. There's a lot of fake and phonies in the Catholic and there's a lot of fake and phonies in Protestant Christianity, right? So, 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 so church history helps us understand kind of the storyline of what God's done. Remember, at this church and good churches that you'll attend, they're historical. Like, they're vintage. They're not teaching you some new secret knowledge. If they are, I would say like, let that be your last Sunday there. You know, like, oh, I've got this special knowledge from the Lord on this situation, or I have this special anointing, and I'll give it to you if you do A, B, and C. That, that's not biblical. That's not historical. Number four, dive into doctrinal statement. Dive into doctrine. Doctrine is agreed upon truth. I encourage you to do that. Any church you ever visit, look at their doctrinal statement. Really, really important. Uh, number five, don't invite them in. What I mean by that is people that are teaching false faiths, JWs, LDS, uh, Christian science, or whatever may be the case, and you say, that's a little mean, that's a little harsh. I've got a lot of good friends in different camps, lots of them. And these people are not the teachers, though. And why do, you, why do I say don't invite them in? Because they knock on your door and they're trained to deceive you. They're trained to whittle you down and break down your faith and cause lots of question and doubt. 2 John 1.10, you might want to jot this down. If that point offends you, don't invite them in. It literally says, if there's a false teacher, do not welcome him in your house or her in your house. And you say, why? Because they're teaching false doctrines and they're probably more schooled and trained than you are. So why are you doing that? I got a good solution for you. Don't invite them in. Go out on your front porch. And then, and then talk for a few minutes and then be done. And so you asked me, well, what about 1 Peter 3.15? Always be ready to give a defense for the hope that lies within you. Good. Go study their doctrine from afar. Don't get schooled or trained or sit under. Psalms 1.1 says, don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Don't place yourself in an environment where people are going to be over you, teaching you these random and weird deviations. Uh, number six, I encourage you to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. He is a teacher, as was taught in the text. Number seven, I encourage you to help others that are new in the faith, uh, potentially needing your discipleship. They exist here in the church. These are believers that need, and you can preserve and promote truth from generation to generation by investing into the young. Or for seekers, and say they're in LDS camp, JW camp, or Christian science camp, or any other camp outside of historical Christianity, they're seeking, I'd encourage you to befriend them. If they're not trained teachers, I think that'd be a safe bet for you. You befriend them and you show them. I tell you, take them to the Gospel of John and love them in the God, with the Gospel of John and look at historical Christianity because there is the father of truth in, in Scripture and there is a father of lies in the world. And so main truth today is know the difference, know the difference, know the difference. When people are trained to uh, spot a counterfeit when it comes to money, they are not trained to just look at the counterfeit bill. They're actually trained hundreds and thousands of hours to look at the real genuine dollar. I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you to do that. Know the difference, not by studying other false religions or counterfeit Christianity. Study the real deal, amen? 
Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us to know the difference in the name of Jesus. We thank you for all that you're doing. Strengthen our faith that we can walk in fellowship with the Father of truth, that we can give truth, share truth, love truth in grace and in love to the world around us. Strengthen us, protect us, bless us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You guys are dismissed. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.